Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. Hey, who's ready to get in the Word this morning? Get to the good stuff, the important stuff. Hey, if you got your Bibles, you can go ahead and take it out and open it up to John chapter 7. We're going to be taking a look at Jesus today in the middle of a party. I brought this for you guys. Jesus in a party, John chapter 7. We're going to start in verse 2. It says, but soon it was time for the Jewish festival of shelters, the big party. And Jesus' brothers said to him, leave here and go to Judea where your followers can see your miracles. They're kind of clowning on Jesus right here. You can't be famous if you hide like this. If you can do so much wonderful things, show yourself to the world, for even his brothers did not believe in him. Jesus replied, now is not the right time for me to go, but you can go anytime. The world can't hate you, but it does hate me because I accuse it of doing evil. You go on, I'm not going to this festival because my time has not yet come. After saying these things, Jesus remained in Galilee, but after his brothers left for the festival, I love this about Jesus. He's like, I ain't gonna do something because you told me to. I'm gonna do it because I wanna do it. And you know, he didn't give his life because somebody took his life. He gave it because he wanted to give his life. So after saying these things, he went to the festival anyway, but secretly staying out of public view. The Jewish leaders tried to find him at the festival and kept asking if anyone seen him. There was a lot of grumbling about him among the crowds. Some argued he's a good man, but others said he's nothing but a fraud who deceives people. But no one had the courage to speak favorably about him in public for they were afraid of getting in trouble with the Jewish leaders. The name of my message this morning is what's for lunch. Turn to your neighbor and say, what's for lunch? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you that you are the bread of heaven, Lord. Lord, that you never leave the hungry hunger for more, Father, but you are all that we need, Lord. Lord, we thank you that we sent your presence even in this place, Lord. You're going to do something in this place this morning that nobody else can do. Like Pastor David said, that nothing of this world can do. So, Lord, we pray that you just rain down on us this morning and feed us spiritual food. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. I love marriage. I love being married. It's amazing. It's an adventure. My wife is awesome. She's amazing. She's an amazing wife. Uh, we've been going on eight years now. Uh, in September, we'll make eight years, right? All right. All right. There we go. A little nervous about that one. We'll make eight years. And we did not rush into marriage unprepared. We prepared, man. We did premarital counseling. We got some mentors in our life speaking into us, helping us out. You know, it's not something you just jump into. We came prepared. But there were a few things that I've noticed over the past eight years that nobody has rightfully prepared us for. One is that marriage is mostly over and over again pointing out that the other person is always on their phone in the small windows that you're not on your phone. I mean, it's, it's true. I'm so guilty of it. I'll literally, we'll both be on our phones playing Instagram, whatever. And literally the moment that I set my phone down, I look at her and in my spirit, I'm sorry, but I don't, know if I, I don't say it out loud. I've learned. And I'd be like, this girl is always on her phone. Can't you see I'm trying to spend time with her right now? She's on her phone. It's true. It's true. The other thing is that nobody prepared me for that. One of the biggest frustrations in our life, one of the biggest contention points will be the question of what is for lunch? 
My wife and I are not planners by any means. Terry Olivier, he probably has everything on his calendar. I know of guy Tanner Schaefer, one of our pastors here, man, this dude has when he's going to bathe his dog on a calendar. My wife and I are not like this at all. Like it's bad. Like Elijah Zeal, we're praying for you, bro, because we live our life by the seat of our pants. So typically whenever this question of what's for lunch comes along, we're already past starving. Like it's like we're there, you know? And typically this is what this conversation looks like for us. Hey babe, what you want for lunch? I don't know, but I'm starving, I can eat anything. Well, what are you in the mood for? Nothing really, I'm so hungry I can't even think. Start scrolling through Instagram. (laughs) Well, you want Vietnamese, which is my go-to. Oh no, not that, not that. Well, what do you want? Anything, you just choose. Well, you want barbecue, babe? No, I'm not really feeling that either. Well, what do you want? I don't know, Chris, anything. Continue scrolling through Instagram. And it's about this time in our conversation where our holy matrimony becomes a little less holy. We begin to partake in something that Pastor Mike calls intense fellowship. Man, you want some good marriage counseling? There we go. Somebody received that. You want some good marriage counseling? You see a fight coming along, y'all go sit down and eat a sandwich and still see if you care about it afterwards. And then you throw in this 18-month-old who can't speak yet. He's starving, screaming, throwing stuff. I'm telling you, if this kid throws the scrambled eggs that I make for him on the ground one more time, you guys will see me at the altar. It's bad, it's bad. Pray for me, pray for me. But in John chapter 7, we see a very similar picture. We see a group of people starving for salvation. And we see people searching, looking, begging for a breakthrough, praying for a breakthrough. You know, if we look at the Jews at this time, they were oppressed by the Pharisees, by the religious leaders and by the religion of that day and its extensive rules. And even the Pharisees in the church, they was oppressed by the Roman government and people were poor, they were sick, they were broken, they were hurting, they were needing a breakthrough. And here we see Jesus in the middle of the party. Man, God in the flesh, the one who was there in the beginning, the one that was with God and the one that was God. Man, the bread of life right there before them, yet they're starving, but they can't make a decision on what they want to believe about him. See, the truth is that we're all going to have to make a decision at some point in our life of what we're going to do with Jesus, what we truly believe about Jesus. Was he a liar? Was he a lunatic or was he Lord, as C.S. Lewis says? He's only one of the three. And I know there's this new progressive movement now where people sit around and they probably smoke vapes and sip kombucha and they say, you know, he was not God, but he was this, he was that, he was a good, a good moral teacher or he said some good things that we can definitely learn from him. But this is not an option that Jesus has left us. Simply because if he was not God, this guy walked around every day saying he was God. What kind of moral teacher are you trying to learn from that's walking around telling people he's God? Man, that's the kind of person we call security on these days. He was either a liar, he was either a lunatic, or what he was Lord. So today we're going to take a look at three different people that we see in this party in relationship to Jesus. And the first one is those that Jesus was foreign to. All throughout this chapter, we see people trying to figure out who Jesus is. 
They've heard about others, of the wonders that others had seen, about the people whose, whose eyes that he's opened or the hurting that he's healed or, or this group of disciples that are living this life and life abundantly. They've heard all the stories, yet they didn't know Jesus for themselves. Well, is he a good man? Is he a fraud? Man, I heard, that's just Joseph's son, isn't it? And one of the biggest things that really kept them foreign from Jesus was the statement of, I heard he's from Galilee. Ain't nothing good coming out of Galilee. Isn't that what they say, JT, out of the North Baton Rouge? Ain't nothing good coming out of North Baton Rouge. But this is simply the way that our God works. If you're foreign from our God today, this is the way our God loves to work. He loves to take the unlikely from the unlikely places and do something amazing through them. That's who our God. He loves to make something from nothing. He loves to take the least likely to succeed from the least likely place and do something miraculous through him. And maybe you identify with that this morning. Maybe your life has not been the prettiest. Maybe your resume is not the most stacked. Maybe it's not the most brightest. But our God loves to look for the lost, the lonely, and the forgotten. The ones that the world has discarded and call him his own. Our God is the God of the exception. Man, we serve an exceptional God. Man, I don't know about your family history, but I do know it has nothing to do with your destiny. Our God loves to take people from lives and from families that have been broken, addicted, and have never mounted to anything and make that one person the exception. So if that's true for you this morning, you are the one he's trying to make the exception. He loves to make it a good exception because it makes him look more excellent. That's why he chooses, that's why he chooses a young boy with a sling and a stone and has him defeat a military trained giant. That's why he takes a slave named Joseph and makes him the second most powerful man in all the world. That's why he calls fishermen and tax collectors and even crooks and calls them his 12 disciples. It's because he is the God of the exception. He is an exception addict. Your whole life may have been going one way. He loves a good cha-cha slide. Your whole life has may have been Murphy's Law. If it can go bad, it's going to go bad. But then you run into Jesus and he's like, reverse, reverse. Let me introduce you to the law of life. If it can go good, it's going to go good because he makes all things work together for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes. So if this God is foreign for you, I'm giving him a good introduction. This is who he is. He may be foreign to you, but you are not foreign to him. He's been pursuing you all the days of your life. You see, every other God, man, whether it be Buddha, whether it be whoever it may be, even the gods of this world say, do this and do that in order to come to me. But our God says, I'm coming for you. If you're hearing this morning or you're watching this online, however you may have gotten this broadcast, it's because our God is coming after you. It's because he loves you too much to leave you where you're at. It's because he cares about you. It's no coincidence you're watching. It's divine providence because he wants something he wants to do inside of your life. And I'm telling you, don't miss out on what God wants to do just because it may seem foreign to you. Just because you've never done this whole Jesus church thing. I'm telling you, step in. You know, I help a friend of mine hiring some people for his business. And man, we get these applications that people are begging for a job. They're begging for a breakthrough. And then we go to call them and 80% of these people don't even answer the phone because it's coming from a foreign number. Can I tell you, it only takes one phone call from our God to change everything. It only takes one word from his mouth for the breakthrough that you've been begging for. It only takes one move of God to give you everything that you've been longing for and looking for your entire life. 
And what you've been looking for, what you've been longing for is Jesus. And he's in this room this morning. In this party, we see those that are foreign from God, that God is foreign too. But then we also see those who are familiar with Jesus. We see his own family, those closest to them, yet their hearts are the furthest away. See, it was their familiarity that kept them from truly following Christ. Now, we live in a day and age where we're very familiar with Jesus. We've all heard the name Jesus, right? See, they heard the name Jesus so often, they never got to experience the power that was in that name. But we live in a very familiar place with Jesus. Man, we've got churches everywhere. Everybody has probably heard that Jesus loves you and that you need to go to church and you need to wash your hands and do this and this and that. Man, I was driving through a country part of Texas at one time and I came across a four-way intersection, a red light, and there was a church on every corner. We've got churches all over the place. I just say, man, I would love to see what it looks like on Sunday morning at this place, in this intersection. Man, their parking teams probably look like gangs coming out to fight in the morning. No, you come to this church. No, you come to this church. But see, we can be in the house like Jesus' family. We can become so familiar with him that we miss out on the supernatural of all of it. See, our familiarity can build a fence between us and the supernatural. They were the closest to him, yet the furthest from him. They were in the house just midst the holiness of it all. Now, we can be in God's house our entire life and miss out on what Jesus wants to do in your life. See, the longer I've learned, the longer I've been in ministry and the more services I'm in and the more environments that I'm in, the more, the more opportunities that I have like this, I can become to treat the supernatural thing in a very natural way. And it's a very dangerous place to be when your heart begins to grow cold. And I can begin, we can begin if we're not careful to become familiar and we can just come to service whenever it's convenient for us or we can just show up late or we can just leave early. You know, I saw a meme on the internet the other day and this is funny, I don't want to feel like I'm coming at you, but the meme said, let's not forget the first person to ever leave church early was Judas. And then it said, so next time that your friends decide to betray Jesus for a $5 margarita at Applebee's, you just need to text them Judas, dot, 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 dot. But I'm not trying to shame anybody. I'm not trying to come at you. But I would just hate to see familiarity creep in and you trade a moment with Jesus, with God on earth, the one who spoke life into existence for five less minutes in the parking lot. Familiarity can keep us from what God wants to do. And God wants to do something every single day. Don't let this become just something on your calendar or just something that you do as a family. Man, this is a meeting with God. This is a supernatural thing. We used to say that if Jesus is here and anything can happen, do we still believe that this morning? We can't let familiarity begin to creep in. You know, I heard somebody say one time, the most important things in life are never urgent. And the urgent things in life are rarely important. And it's so good, it's so true for where we're at. If we're not not careful, we can become careless with the things in life that we should be most careful with. I mean, I think about your spouse and your marriage. It's something that's rarely urgent, right? But it's the most important thing in your life. And we begin to come careless with these things. Pastor Mike shared this in staff the other day. He says, honor, honor means wait. But a lot of times we begin to treat the things that should have weight lightly in life, they may leave us. Man, let's make sure that we don't become careless with the things that we should become most careful with. 
And I think about Pastor Mike and Pastor David, man, two of the most influential people in my life have spoken so much into my life. But over the past few years, we do life together. You know, I've gotten opportunities to go hang out at Pastor Mike's house or Pastor David and I, like he shared, we work out together. And sometimes, you know what guys do when they get around each other? They start making fun of each other. Why we do it? I don't know. It doesn't make sense, but that's how we tell each other we love each other. Pastor David will come in the gym and he'll be like, wow, Chris, you're looking a little small today. You sure you're going to be able to lift that today? And I'll look at him and I'll say, Pastor David, there is nobody in the world who can do phone calls and curls like you. Man, it is extraordinary. This man can come in the gym where nobody doesn't matter what anyone else is doing. He comes in, does a couple curls, answers phone calls, solves all the problems of the church and leaves. But if I'm not careful, as we become more and more familiar, I can begin to overstep into disrespect because I love them. We're friends. We hang out. We do life together. But the truth is that they have a place of honor that God has put them in position over me. And there's been many times, yeah, you clap your hands for that. There's been times in my life where I've had to, I've said something or I feel like I stepped a boundary in my heart and I've had to text and say, hey, bro, I know you probably didn't catch this, but I felt like I was dishonoring the position that God has done in you, that God has put you in. So therefore, I just want to apologize and make sure you know that, man, you are my spiritual authority. I receive whatever correction that you have for me. I submit to you and that you are my pastor. And I do that. And I do that. I'm not bragging on me. And the truth is, is I'll never, I'll, you'll never catch me in a conversation calling Pastor Mike or Pastor David, David and Mike. And I do that not for them because it doesn't matter to them at all. But I do it for me to keep my heart open to receive whatever it is they may want to speak into me. It keeps my heart nimble and soft and fresh. And God wants to do the same thing. See, the truth is, is God does not need your honor. Jesus did not need anybody's honor at this party. He can stand on his own. But man, we must honor Jesus. We must honor God. We must honor the God's house, not for him, but for us. Jesus says, man, if nobody cries out, if nobody honors me, if nobody praises me, even these rocks will cry out. And I don't know about you, but I'm not going to let a rock cry out and praise in my place because God has done something in my life, so I'm going to praise him myself. I don't know about you, but 10 years ago, man, I was sleeping on the sidewalk in New Orleans. Last night, I slept on a memory foam mattress in my own house with my name on that house. Man, when God found me, I was bound, broken, and addicted, and in three days, he broke that addiction off of my life and filled me with life that was so full, running over the supernatural, that the rehab center didn't know what was wrong with me. Has God done anything in anybody's life this morning worthy of some praise? Can we just give him some praise in this place? And I'm not talking about familiar praise. I'm talking about the bills were bigger than the bank account, but there was still food on the table, and the lights were still on praise. I'm talking about praise where he took you from such saying he put your feet on solid ground has he made a way where there was no way in anybody else's life in here this morning man we've got to continue to praise him like it was the first time our praise and our worship is what keeps familiarity out of our hearts because the truth is is Jesus is kind Jesus will not force himself on you. He will not push himself on you. But his kindness is to lead us to repentance, not to be taken as his weakness. Because he may have come as a baby in a manger and rode on a donkey, but he's coming back as a king on a horse with a sword. So we must place Jesus in the place of honor that he belongs. 
Man, we see those in this story that Jesus is foreign to. We see those that are familiar with Jesus. But it goes on to say in verse 13, but no one had the courage to speak favorably about him in public for they were afraid of getting in trouble with the Jewish leaders. We saw those foreign, we saw those familiar, but we didn't see any followers. Nobody willing to stand up and follow Jesus. See, the truth is, is following Jesus will cost you a lot. It will cost you everything, but so will not following him. And see, if we're not careful as pastors and preachers, we can come in here and we can preach the promises of God. We can preach the supernatural provision of God. We can preach the peace of God as if it's for everybody in the room. But the truth is, I care too much about people in this room. I care too much about your soul to do you that disservice. Because we all want the peace of God. We all want the provision of God. But man, those promises are reserved for his people. For those that said, I will stand up and follow you no matter where it may lead me. God's not going to give you some supernatural ability for you to go on your own way, on your own terms, to write your own story for your own glory. It's because you were created for so much more. See, his peace is for when you walk in his path and his power is for when you walk in his purposes. And the keys can go ahead and come out. See, we hear the story of Peter, right? And we all love the story of Peter. He walked on water. But God did not give him this supernatural ability just so he could go home and go viral on TikTok and become famous and rich. Man, Peter encountered this supernatural ability because he was following Jesus. So many times we want supernatural in our life, but we want to live our lives in the most natural ways. So many times we want to, we want to see the supernatural, but we want to stay in our own boats. We've got our own goals. We've got our own direction we want to go. And the truth is, is Jesus isn't going to get into your boat. He's trying to get you to step into his, to follow him. You see your freedom, your peace, all that you've been looking for. Maybe you come in here Sunday in and Sunday out and you get a taste and you're encouraged for a little while, but then you go back home and you find yourself starving again. It's not found in just adding Jesus to your life. It's not found in holding on to this life. It's found in laying your life down in order to follow Jesus. Jesus says the one who lays down their life will find life and life abundantly, but the one who holds on to their own will lose it. Following Jesus will be the greatest decision that you ever make in your life. Oh, when you follow him. When you begin to follow him day in and day out, when you begin to wake up in the morning and say, God, not my will be done, but yours. Wherever you're leading, wherever you're calling, I will follow. David said, when the Lord is your shepherd, he makes you have all that you need. He makes you lie down in green pastures. He leads you along still waters. Anybody in here need still waters? It says that he renews your soul. He leads you along the right path, not for your name's sake, but for his. It says, though I walk through the valley in the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil because your rod and your staff comfort me. It says when you follow Jesus, he prepares a table for you to feast in front of your enemies. It says that he anoints your head with oil and your cup overflows. It says, surely goodness and mercy as I follow Jesus will follow me all the days of my life. You know, in the middle of this party, we see those that are foreign, we see those that are familiar. And in the middle of it, on John 7, 37, it says that Jesus stands up and on the last and greatest day of the festival, 
he stood up and said in a loud voice, that anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And he says the same thing this morning. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.